Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we are the Extra Sisters. Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to another Haunted Happy Hour. Dude, every time I say welcome now, I want to sing the Bo Burnham song, Welcome to the Internet, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. God, and I almost did. Anyways, now I'm distracted, and <laughs> we're off to a great start. So welcome to another Haunted Happy Hour. In this Haunted Happy Hour, we're going to talk about haunted antiques that people found, bought, thrifted. I don't know what you got. We don't know. I Well, you know what objects I have. I have no idea what you have. Again, we don't talk about this in advance, and... I think we're drinking tonight. Is that accurate? Yes, ma'am. Cool. So, uh, actually, mine are pretty scary. I don't know about yours. but Really? Yeah. Like, I tried to find things that I think are fake. <laughs> <laughs> like, they feel like they're from movies. And so I tried to find the most haunted shit I could. Like, things actually, like, happened to these people. So... I don't know, like maybe they're embellished, maybe they're not, maybe they are exaggerating, or maybe these things were just really, really, really fucking haunted. I don't know what I believe, but I, these people are anonymous and I'm going to keep them that way. And I hope that they're okay because <laughs> <laughs> I think that, you know, spirits can be attached to things. If spirits mm-hmm. are a thing, if ghosts are a thing, some of them can be mad that you bought their shit, you know? Yeah. So, like, some of these are, like, okay, and, like, you know, they're just kind of weird things happened, and then, like, my last one's, like, you good, fam? You know? <laughs> like, so, just kind of a range of things here, but when you go thrifting or, and something looks spooky, maybe don't get it. Right. Maybe leave that one alone. Or maybe get home and bless it or something. I don't know, <laughs> but, yeah. So, just beware, and I will start off. So, This first one is a haunted ring. So like a ring you wear on your finger as opposed to what other kind of ring? I don't know. It doesn't matter. (laughs) My girlfriend recently came into possession of a ring. She said she found it at the bottom of her toilet after she got in, which is weird. Like maybe it's an apartment that she just moved into. It, Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it doesn't talk about any of that. And after she got into possession of this ring, she started having nightmares. Why did you pull it out of the toilet? Okay, if I saw a random ring in my toilet one day, I would not get it. Because some bitch put that there. Mm -hmm. Because everybody's going to look into the toilet. You're not going to miss that. Right. I would assume some ghosty ghost wanted me to pull that out of the toilet for a bad reason. Mm -hmm. You know? The moral of the story is don't pull a ring out of your toilet and wear it. (laughs) Because it's going to fuck your shit up. Not sure about all the details to her nightmares. Oh, but Kristen, listen to this. If I started having these kinds of nightmares, I would call you immediately thinking I was possessed. Okay. Great. Not sure about all the details to her nightmares, but she talked about a half-skinned goat, which had a note in one of its wounds asking for her help to get revenge. What the fuck? No, thank you. Yeah, Uh -uh. no. Mm -mm. She had other nightmares of people with black eyes. Kind of like the urban legend of the black-eyed children, I guess. And she recently claimed to see a ghost while she was bathing and called for her sister, thinking it was her. But it wasn't. So I'm assuming what he means by that. This guy, no offense to him, didn't have the best grammar, so it was kind of hard to... Like, I tried to retype it a little bit, but Mm. I'm assuming her sister lived with her. So Mm -hmm. she called out to her sister, and it was not her sister. Oh, gross. Mm Mm-hmm. 
She's unsure to what's happening, but since gaining that ring, she's been having nightmares every single time she's slept. She also said she constantly feels depressed when she's had it in her possession or worn it. So fucking don't do that. Right. Things, Put it back in the toilet. Yeah. Things that were generally of bad fortune would happen. Now, even when I am around it, I feel an intense sense of dread, like a black cloud or an intense feeling that nothing will ever be okay again. That's a fucking Dementor ring, man. <laughs> right. She didn't have nightmares before this either. So what do some of you think? Should we flush the ring again or what? Okay, so maybe she did find it in her actual toilet. Like, yeah, it, Why did you pull it out of the toilet? Like, should we flush the ring again or what? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. back where you found it. Bury it somewhere. Mm -hmm. Get rid of it. And there was no resolve either. Like, I think this was on Reddit. I think that he did say that they got rid of it because everyone was like, um, if you saw a half-skinned goat and there was a note in the wound saying it wanted revenge, get rid of the ring. Yeah, for sure. Like, that is not a good object to just keep around your fucking house. Mm -mm. No. I wouldn't want it. Like, how much did you wash it after you pulled it out of there? Mm -mm, no. Yeah, I would probably. I don't know. Do you think it would be better to flush it, or could, like, what if it's worth something? What if you pawned it? Are you just like passing that evil on? Like, is that not ethical to do? Probably not, huh? Yeah, I would assume. Well, she didn't pull it out to pawn it. She just pulled it out to wear it, which is also creepy. <laughs> like, I guess I would understand if you wanted to just get the money from it, but you pulled out some random ring from your toilet and wore it. That's also weird. <laughs> what if it was really pretty oh my god or like real no. diamond or something you know i hate diamonds they're ugly so i'm picturing like a ruby or something you know like creep rubies are creepy kind of because mm -hmm. they're red yeah i don't know he didn't describe what the ring looked like so who knows <laughs> but and it fit perfectly. You don't find that a little whack. Right. Exactly. Mm -mm, no. Somebody said, this ring is for you, bitch. Put it on. Yeah. I wonder what old lady haunted her apartment or whatever. That's like, we're going to get revenge on this motherfucker. <laughs> what, who needed revenge? You know? Right? Who scorned this woman? Mm-hmm. These are the questions. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. The ones that I have people probably know about, but I really didn't. This first one I did, but I thought they'd be interesting to talk about anyway. So the first one I have is also jewelry. We have the Hope Diamond. Weight, 25 carats. Color, violet. Status, haunted, perhaps. It's one of the most famous diamonds in the world, so maybe this isn't so surprising. Although many have speculated that reports of a curse are simple efforts to increase the object's air of mystery, let's indulge a bit, shall we? In its earliest form, the diamond, which was most likely cut from a mine in India, is said to have been stolen from a statue. The thief was subjected to an extremely unfortunate death. This wait, 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 I have a question. Yeah. Is this the Titanic one? Or no? The Hope Diamond? No. Yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember. Thank you. Proceed. <laughs> this kicked off what seemed to be a string of upsetting fates for many of the individuals who owned or even touched it over the years. Jacques Collet died by suicide. Princess de Lambelle was killed in a massacre in the French Revolution. And merchant Jean Le Tavernier was mauled by wild dogs, just to name a few. 
You can breathe a sigh of relief, though, because since Harry Winston donated the diamond to the Smithsonian in 1958, the alleged curse seems to have abated. Until... (laughs) (laughs) Right. Until the end of the world when somebody takes it out of there. How much is that thing worth? I couldn't even guess. I want to know. Because <laughs> I that seems like one of those things where somebody steals it and then they get haunted. Let's see. Worth of the Hope Diamond. $250 million. Holy shit. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's one of those things where if you steal it, that that then you're gonna get haunted yeah definitely now i'm looking at things like i i also googled it and there's just like you know like blue nile where you can buy like your random just normal engagement rings they just casually have a 2.7 million dollar carat diamond on here yeah that's fucking ridiculous it my engagement ring is cubic (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it is fake. People with fucking money, it's ridiculous. Like, mostly for ethical reasons, too. Mm-hmm, like, absolutely. diamonds are fuck. Now, do I want a salt and pepper diamond? Kind of. Have you seen those things? They are stunning. Look. look up a salt and pepper diamond. Because I, I want a black stone, but the re- the actual black, they look so gaudy and oh, fake. That's pretty. Yeah. Aren't those pretty? But they're so expensive, and I'm like, the whole thing about them is they're cloudy. Mm-hmm, so why right. the fuck are you charging $7,000 for a cloudy diamond, bitch? Because it's a fucking diamond, and I, I know diamonds are the most basic, most ugly thing, and I don't understand why they're so goddamn expensive. Well, that's why I want this salt and pepper one, but they're still so expensive. And I'm like, you literally took this thing that wasn't... You didn't make it pretty, and then you're like, "Oh, somebody's gonna like this. Let's keep it expensive." You know, right? Exactly. Because yeah, that's. I want a black one. <laughs> I've never liked diamonds. My husband knew when he got my ring, it had to have a gem in it, and I have a an emerald in it instead of that because fuck diamonds. Yeah, and I want a black one, but like I said, they all look like even if you get a real black one, mm-hmm. it looks like a costume Halloween mm-hmm. stone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I want salt and pepper, but they're still real diamonds. So they're really expensive. And I, there are so many other things. I'm not hating on anyone that wants to get like a really expensive engagement ring. You do you. But there are so many things that I would rather spend like $3,000 on, you know? Dude, I'd rather, you could go to Europe for that amount. Yeah. I'd rather go to Europe than have a, a $3,000 thing on my finger. Uh-uh. Some people can do both. I can't imagine. And that's how they get the three thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, I, I love my husband, but we should have sat like we should have gone to a college campus, sat outside the engineering building, and looked cute because <laughs> <laughs> that's how you uh, that's how you, go, you get both. Right. Anyways, so this one is a pen, and I can actually differentiate. It's an ink pen, not like a <laughs> pin. When I was in college, one of the things to do on weekends and breaks was to go thrifting with friends. I am a creative writing major, so as I'm sure you can guess, I love old journals and pens. Oh, same, sis. Oh, my God. And things of the sort. One day, we went in, and I found this old ink pen. It looked like an old calligraphy-style pen, something from the early 1900s, maybe. Plus, it was only $4. So, of course, I bought it. I didn't use it. I just wanted it as a collectible and something to look pretty on my desk. 
A few days later, after it had been in my apartment, I noticed it was in a different spot than I originally put it in. Hell no. (laughs) I had a roommate and we were pretty close, so it wasn't totally out of bounds to think she may have come into my room, but it was weird to think that she would take the pin. And then I noticed my clothes all fell off the hangers one day while I was at school. Mm -mm. Nope. Yeah. All the clothes on the floor. Okay, maybe I left my window open and there was a gust of wind and then she closed my window. But none of my papers were blown around and my decorations were stable on the wall. And then something that caused a fight between us was when the fridge was left open and all our food went bad. We were blaming the carelessness on each other. It was a big deal for college kids' food to go bad being broken all. Definitely. Yeah. Every day it seemed like our property was being damaged or moved. And what was weird was the pin was always missing. I didn't put anything together until my friend that went thrifting with me that was super into tarot and all that shit told me to cleanse it and get rid of it before it started becoming more hostile. I kind of laughed, so she did it for me, but then it all stopped. So I guess the joke was on me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's it. That's the end of it. She's her friend came over, took the pin, did the thing, and then all that shit stopped. I love her friend. Yeah, that's literally you and my Ouija board. You're like, yep. <laughs> get it out. <laughs> so the Ouija or the pin was just there to cause chaos. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I wonder if it was like a like an author's pin that was just like a, mm-hmm. you know, like an asshole or something. Because authors right. are can be kind of pretentious, you know, and annoying. Just a little bit. <laughs> Annoying. Yeah. yeah. He was like, I'm just going to cause a ruckus. I like to see him fight. It's the right, dramatics exactly. for me. Yeah. <laughs> I like everyone being all dramatic. He's like creating stories still just with these real people. He's like, and then the fighting began. <laughs> <laughs> I could hear the bustling through the walls. So these next ones I pulled directly from Zach Bagans stories and things that he has in his museum so you know he is the biggest douche but i want to go to that museum so bad agreed especially after reading these very interested and want to go but yeah he does look like a fucking asshole okay the first one i have is the dybbuk box (laughs) according to jewish folklore a dybbuk is a dark spirit that takes over the bodies of living people and uses them for evil Legend has it that a dibbit can be tra- can be trapped inside a box and prevented from causing mischief, unless the box is open, that is. Several years ago, the dibbit box came up for sale on eBay. The seller listed a vintage wide cabinet that came from the estate of a woman who survived a World War II concentration camp. The seller, an antique dealer named Kevin Manis, claimed the first owner's granddaughter was terrified of the box, warning him that her grandmother said it held a dibbit. After buying the cabinet, he was plagued by a series of unfortunate events and recurring nightmares of an old hag that would brutally attack him, causing him to wake up with bruises on his body. He also experienced an overpowering stench of cat urine in his home. Same. Joking. <laughs> well, when you have like six of them, you know, it'd be like that sometimes. Tragically, his mother suffered a stroke while opening the box. Not surprisingly, he decided to get rid of it. The box eventually ended up in the hands of Missouri Medical Museum director Jason Haxton, who was skeptical about the powers attributed to the box. He soon changed his mind. 
After acquiring the box, he began to experience a series of medical maladies, including bleeding eyes and strange rashes. He also began to dream of being attacked by an old hag and would also awake with bruises on his body. Kevin Manis told me that while the box was in Haxton's basement, a man died there, and his body was found lying next to the box. He eventually became so unnerved by the box that he reached out to scientists and rabbis who instructed him to build a wooden ark lined with 24 karat gold, place the box inside, and bury it in the ground. The box was opened during the time that it was owned by Jason Haxton. He retrieved it from its burial site for a special appearance on my television show, Deadly Possessions. I arranged to have the box placed in a containment room so that Kevin Manis, the previous owner, could confront his fears about the box. When he opened it, he found the contents were intact. There was a dried rose, two coins from the 1920s, a small gold kiddish wine goblet, two locks of hair, an octopus leg candle, candlestick holder called a Shabbat, and an engraving of the word Shalom, which means peace in Hebrew. When Kevin opened the box, the lights in the building started to flash. Strange sounds were heard, and strangest of all, Kevin turned to face a wall, and he got a very weird expression on his face. His voice changed, and he started to recite a story about a shadow man. He then started speaking in tongues and making bizarre whistling sounds. He was sweating profusely and began to cough uncontrollably. I purchased the Dybbuk box from Jason Haxton and placed it on display at the Haunted Museum. Because of the sinister nature of the box, only visitors of the age of 18 who have signed a waiver are allowed to see it. During the time that it has been on display, there have been people who have fainted, become dizzy, and even sick. Visitors have also witnessed a shadowy cloaked figure that has been, pass been seen passing directly through the closed doors of the room where it is on display. One of my tour guides has had her face shoved into the case that holds the box by an unseen force. In 2018, my friend, singer-songwriter Post Malone, visited the Haunted Museum. Wait, wait, wait. I would demand a bonus if my ass got shoved, like, my, slammed into Absolutely. that. <laughs> I'd be like, I know that I had to sign paperwork <laughs> saying that, you know, shit would be weird, but I'm going to need some sort of compensation for that. Absolutely. Yep. In 2018, my friend, singer-songwriter Post Malone visited the Haunted Museum. During his visit, we were together in the Dybbuk room and both heard the unmistakable sound of a little girl's voice. Moments later, something began to affect us. This sensation prompted me to remove the protective case from the box. Something was telling me to open the box. After a very tense moment between Post and myself, I touched the box. I began to panic and to scream, cry, and hyperventilate. Concerned, Post reached out and touched my shoulder. When he did, I felt something pass through my body. When we left the museum, Post saw the dark shadow figure that so many people had encountered follow us out. The next day, he sent me a photo of a mysterious bruise that appeared on his arm. After his visit, he was involved in an emergency landing in his private jet. His car was involved in an accident. And armed robbers targeted a home in San Francisco that they believed to be his. I believe that a curse from the box affected him in a series of three events. Poor Posty. <laughs> Poor Posty. Can't That's catch it. a break. Yeah. I wonder what kind of compensation you could request. I'm still on that. Um, <laughs> if you got slammed into something by an evil spirit at your job. I think I'd just leave. <laughs> well, you signed up for this, you know. I mean, that's fair. But signed up to get shoved into things. Eh. That's true. That's abusive. That spirit. Yeah. But also, 
do you think that it's in your contract to be like, if anything happens to you, you can't, I'm sure you can't sue them. Probably, but, yeah. But do you think you could be like, I need $100 per incident, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. At least, because. Like, I need a Starbucks run, so. At, at I need Starbucks every single day <laughs> for my anxiety, which is going to make my anxiety worse because caffeine. But <laughs> I need something. Like, I yeah. would totally work. Th- I would totally do that, though. I would love to be a tour guide at a haunted place. The only thing is tour guides always baffle me with their the knowledge that they memorize for that shit. Mm-hmm. That yeah. blows me away. Respect to tour guides. Yeah. I remember my mom talking about when she was in high school, one of her friends worked at Cave of the Winds. And she would repeat the stuff that she had to say, like in car rides to and from school and stuff, so that she could just memorize it. Yeah. It always seems so difficult. Like, Mm -hmm. mad respect, because, wow. So, like, this one's kind of funny, but, like, nothing's that funny when it's haunted. But, like, as far as, you know, haunts go, it's kind of (laughs) funny. Except for the fact that this almost burned their house down. Oh, shit. The cast iron from hell. If you bring down a squeaky toy, I'm locking you out. (laughs) Okay, so this might sound stupid, but I'm pretty sure this cast iron was out to kill me and was 100% haunted. This cast iron was a family heirloom of sorts. It had been passed down and I got it when I got married. But the thing is, I am a flaming homosexual. And I do not think my ancestors are a fan of that. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Okay, I get your point. Very homophobic of them. So I think we made it mad. Every time we cooked something with this damn thing, it tried to kill us. Lighting grease on fire. Burning everything we cooked in it. It even seemed like it made food go rotten. I'm pretty sure it gave us food poisoning. Like, I know that sounds crazy, but I truly think it did. All the dishes... This is crazy, okay? All the dishes in my sink broke one night, and there was no reason for it. Holy shit. No, I'd be handing that thing back to mom, dad, whoever gave that over. (laughs) Yeah. And the weirdest thing was... Okay, this is also... Like, I, I literally put these in order of ramping up from like least haunted to most haunted. Okay. So this is my second to last. So we're getting there. So the weirdest thing was a lady walked by our house one night and she was very elderly and I didn't really notice her clothing because she was wrapped in a shawl and she just threw up in our yard, turned the corner, yeah, (laughs) turned the corner. And when I went to check on her, she was gone. I'm pretty sure my great, great, great homophobic grandmother threw up in my yard from beyond the grave. Oh, my God. (laughs) All I'm thinking of right now is drag me to hell. And I'd be like, she just put a curse on you with that throw up. I discarded the pan into a Salvation Army donation box by forever. Yeah, correct. Wow. It can go to a nice, straight white couple. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. It's going to go to a pair of lesbians this time. Yeah. <laughs> God forbid it goes to a trans couple. Good right. God. Jeez. That's uh, like, that is funny though. Like it's been fine for generations mm-hmm. and then you get married, but to another man and the pan is like, are you fucking kidding me? This is what my family has come to. <laughs> right. 
I'm kind of sad that they just, like, gave it to Salvation Army, though. Like, I'd give it back to my parents or something. Whatever. Fuck homophobic grandma. It's a cool pan that has been, <laughs> been around forever. Well, it'll still be around forever. It's a cast iron. It'll just be uh. somebody else's heirloom. Yeah, but that means it's been seasoned for generations. It's got to have all that good cooking in it. Well, I guess they burnt the shit out of it now, so <laughs> maybe not. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Everything lit on fire. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the next one I'm going to talk about, everybody kind of saw recently in a movie called The Conjuring 3. I'm going to call it 3. The Devil's Rocking Chair. In 2019, I purchased another macabre object for the Haunted Museum, dubbed The Devil's Rocking Chair. It is of unknown origin, but was passed on to the Glatzel family in the early 1950s. It was simply a piece of household furniture until the summer of 1980, when it became the center of a tragedy that struck the family. The sinister relic became a part of one of America's most notorious exorcisms, which involved two demonic possessions and an eventual murder. It is believed that the chair quite literally was cursed by the devil. The horror began in July 1980 when David Glatzel, 11, became possessed by a demon. One night he woke up screaming, claiming that he had been visited by a man with big black eyes, a thin face with animal features, jagged teeth, pointed ears, horns, and hooves. David was, everyone agreed, not the kind of kid who liked scary movies or who was likely to make up things, and he was visibly shaken by the experience. He became withdrawn and quiet. His older sister, Debbie, asked her fiancé, Arne Johnson, if he would stay with her family for a while and see whether it would help David get out of his depression. Arne, of course, agreed, but things didn't get better. David reported more nightmares about the terrifying man who promised to take his soul. Odd scratches and bruises began to appear on the boy, and all the injuries seemed to happen while he was asleep. Odd sounds, which Arne couldn't explain, were heard in the attic. Worst of all, David began to claim that he was now seeing the beast while he was awake. He was always seen sitting in the family's rocking chair, which the beast now claimed as his own. David, and later Lorraine Warren, was the only one who saw the beast in the chair, but family members often saw it rocking back and forth, seemingly under its own power. The family first brought over a priest to bless the house. This didn't help. In fact, it made things worse. The sounds in the attic got louder, David's visions increased, and he began to hiss at his family and speak with multiple voices. He started to quote from Paradise Lost, a book that most 11-year-olds aren't exactly familiar with. During the night, someone had to stay up and watch David, who woke every 30 minutes, sometimes having seizures. Desperate for help, the Glatzels called N. Lorraine Warren, who began making regular visits to their home, bringing more priests with them and performing exorcisms. Many of those exorcisms took place while David was seated in the rocking chair. The chair itself moved about the house on its own, mysterious, disappearing and reappearing in different places. Most incredibly, it levitated on numerous occasions in full view of witnesses, including the Warrens, clergy members, and shocked family members. It happened once while David was sitting in it during an exorcism. After the final exorcism, the demon left David. He soon began to show signs of improvement. However, his sister's fiancé, Arne Johnson, was not so lucky. Apparently, the demon left David and entered him. He started making the same kind of growls and hisses that David had made, as well as slipping into trances for a period of months before killing his landlord, Alan Bono, with a five-inch pocket knife, stabbing the man over and over as Debbie watched. 
Bono died a few hours later in the hospital, and Johnson was picked up by the police two miles from the murder scene. Eight months later, Johnson appeared in court with a plan to enter a plea plea of not guilty due to demonic possession. For the first time in American legal history, demonic possession was used as a reason for murder. It didn't work. Judge Robert Callahan refused to accept the plea since there was no evidence to show that Johnson was possessed. Johnson eventually went to prison for his crime. He was found guilty of first-degree manslaughter and received a 10 to 20-year sentence, although he only served five. Arn and Debbie married after he was released. For many years after the horrifying events of 1980, the rocking chair remained in storage. When the Glatzel family later moved, they went with them. However, over time, it became apparent that there was something very wrong with the chair. Whoever sat in the chair, whether innocently or because they knew its strange history, were suddenly stricken with incapacitating sciatica or abnormal back problems. Some were so bad that they required surgery. Once close family member, once a close family member was unable to walk upright more than 10 years after testing the legend of the chair. Today, the Devil's Rocking Chair is at the Haunted Museum. There are stains on the original cushion from holy water and blessed oils that were part of the exorcisms conducted by Catholic priests and Ed Warren. An evil presence surrounds it, and even before it was on display, it was already causing problems in the building. Soon after it arrived, doors at the museum began shutting themselves and locking. Light switches physically turned off, and it created a terrible tension between staff members in the area where the chair was stored. I also heard from the shipper who picked up the rocking chair from the Glassell house, and he told me that there was that he was plagued by terrible nightmares after coming into contact with it. I would not have kept that chair for that fucking long. Right? I, I can't mean, believe you even put it in storage. Burn that shit. I was about, literally about to say, fucking burn it. Like, I know in <laughs> movies we see that that shit doesn't happen, but I bet in real life it fucking would. Right. I would burn the fuck out of that thing. Mm. No fucking way would I keep that shit. Yeah, even even if it wasn't, like, floating around my house and doing weird shit, the fact that he was exercised in it, I'd be like, no, there's some weird shit around it now. We're not keeping that chair. Wouldn't you just want your kid not to have to see it anymore? Also that... Wouldn't you want to not see it? Like, wouldn't you remember them being in it? Just so many bad things. Why did you keep it? Yeah, no, I would not have kept it. Like, I, I'm assuming somebody would have wanted it. Like, maybe you could, like, like the museum. Like, mm-hmm. I'm surprised Ed and Lorraine didn't take it. Dude, right? Mm-mm. So, my last one is coming with a trigger warning. Or suicide. Okay. This is about a top hat, clothing, antique costume. Yeah. When I bought a top hat from an antique costume and clothing store, I didn't realize I was also buying the ghost that came with it. I didn't even believe in ghosts until this motherfucker came home with me. (sighs) I am a cosplayer, so when I found a top hat for an anime cosplay I was doing, I was excited. It was an expensive piece at $250, but it was legit. I would pay $2,000 to have never seen that hat in my entire life. Damn. The first week I had it, the only thing that was different was some weird dreams. I dreamt about an old-timey bar, speakeasy style. I dreamt about chasing some people and cursing at them. It was intense, but meh, nightmares, you know. But then the nightmares ramped up to being violent. Dreams of horrific murders and death. I never died in the dreams... But the things I saw first person always woke me up and were enough to start making me anxious to sleep. And then I started hearing things. I started hearing footsteps in my apartment. 
Hell no. Mm-mm. I started hearing heels clicking, a cane clacking against the floor, like impatiently. I started hearing tongue clicking near my ears when I was lying in bed. What the fuck? Yeah, dude, this one fucking like, mm-mm. it's not that long. Like I'm already halfway through it, but like still someone went shh when I was uh-uh. on the phone. No. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like someone moved into my apartment and I was with an intruder. The top hat moved and then I saw him smoking on my balcony but it was like he was a reflection in the glass. He looked like an old school gangster. This drove me absolutely crazy and it did not stop. Because I was so terrified, I didn't connect that I needed to get rid of the top hat at first. I just needed to get out. I literally slept in my car that night. Jesus Christ, I bet. Yeah, me too. I would have fucking bailed. Uh-huh. <laughs> when I went back inside the next morning, my apartment was in disarray. It wasn't trashed, but there were things strewn about. I was still having nightmares. I was suicidal and just wanted things to end. I decided to throw the top hat away. The nightmares ended gradually over a few days, but sometimes I still see him in windows, and I still don't know if what I experienced was real or not, and I see a professional now. I have bet. Yeah. I have no diagnosis, but I'll never be the same absolutely i would never buy anything from a thrift store ever again yeah like seeing a like old school like it was probably a mobster Mm -hmm. if you were having dreams in a bar like killing people right exactly like there's you know (laughs) i don't want to see a ghost but like there's bad ghosts and that's one of them i would not want to be haunted by a mobster hell no you took his top hat yeah Hell no. Mm-mm, mm-mm. They did some bad shit while they were alive and like, no, mm-mm, no. Yeah. And like seeing, I know exactly like when you see like somebody in a reflection of glass mm-hmm. standing there like smoking, like mm-hmm. no. And especially thinking like, what if you're developing like schizophrenia or something? Right. Yes. That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yep. See, stories like that is why I was always terrified to live alone. (laughs) Right there. Yeah. Thanks. I'm alone for the next, like, four days. (laughs) Sorry. I have been for a week. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Definitely the spookiest, though. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. I I feel so sorry for that person. Yes. Like, just wanted to do a cosplay, probably, like, on Instagram or, like, like, back in the day. I don't know when that was written, but, like, Tumblr was really big. Just putting on a top hat and probably some, like, it's probably an anime cosplay, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then now you're questioning your sanity for years. <laughs> right. Because of one purchase at the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. That thing was just waiting. Yep. Mm. That's, I'm so sorry to that person. That's awful. Especially for something to make you feel like you don't even want to be alive anymore because of things you're, like, going through. Yeah. Like, and that was just, like, a little, like, you know, like, half a page. You know, imagine, like, the months and months or whatever that that, or weeks or months or whatever. they actually had to deal with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was a very condensed, just little snapshot of that experience. Mm Mm-hmm. Hell no. (laughs) Moral of the story, don't go thrifting. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No antiquing. 
My mom used to take me antiquing because, fun fact, the my hometown is the antique capital of Texas. <laughs> That's like the motto of the town. And so we just had this whole strip of antique stores, and it was my fucking – I hated it. She's like, let's go antiquing. Could not say any worse sentence to me when I was a kid. Hmm. Made me want to pull my teeth out. I get it. I'm one totally by one. That. Now – as an adult, I'm like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> but as a kid, I was like, what is this old ass shit? Like, <laughs> but also now as an adult, I'm like, no, this sounds haunted to me. And like, mm, also that, yeah. Yeah. So I hope y'all are okay. All those people I just talked yeah. about. Hope y'all are good. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. If you have any weird haunted stories, we're always down to hear them. Because no matter what the theme is, we will read them. Absolutely. So feel free to send them in all the socials of the Extra Sisters podcast. The email is the extra sisters at gmail.com if that's easier to send stories into rather than DMs. Send them on in. Twitter is at the Extra Sisters. And if you would like to join our Patreon, it is patreon.com slash the Extra Sisters Podcast. Until next time, stay creepy.